Hi, welcome to Ha'igeret, or The Message, a unique journal of original and plagiarized Jewish thought, in the merit of my grandfather, Benjamin Ari Ben Leah, and for a refuge lema, a complete healing, for Esther Batsipura. Between the events of last week's Parsha and the middle section of this week's Parsha, about 38 years have passed. As we learned in Parshat Shalach a few years ago, the population of Bnei Israel, the children of Israel, that left Mitzrayim, Egypt, did not merit to enter the land of Israel. That group sent the Meraglim, the spies, into Eretz Israel and then believed those spies when their reports were less than favorable. We know that we wandered in the desert for 40 years, and about a year had passed since they were freed from Egypt at the time of the sin of the spies, the Heta Meraglim. So if a year has passed before we are told that we are going to wander for 40 years, and then 38 more years passed, we are now at 39 years out of 40 years, meaning we have one more year to go. We are at year 39, and we still have the rest of Bamidbar, this book, Numbers, and Devarim, Deuteronomy, to get through. The Torah is divine, but we never said that it was an evenly distributed chronological document. We begin this Parsha with the details of the Para Aduma, the red heifer. The Para Aduma is always referred to as the classic example of a chok, or a non-intuitive law. I've brought this distinction up before, but we can never do enough chazara, enough review. So there are choks, chukim, and then there are mishpat, mishpatim. The Talmud distinguishes that mishpatim are intuitive, in the way that had the Torah never been codified, we would have gathered these logically. These are laws against stealing, against murder, and other non-ambiguous actions. Chukim, however, aren't so naturally intuited. Sometimes we mistranslate a chok as a law that has no explanation, but of course this is not true either. A chok has an explanation, but it isn't one that we can understand or know. Or as the Rambam Maimonides, Rabbi Moshe ben Maimon, puts it, the rationale of chukim are hidden from us, while the rationale of mishpatim are a little more obvious. So the para aduma is always used as a prime example of a chok because it's very specific and has to do with ritual impurity. The laws of para aduma are given and then 38 years pass in the span of a single space button. Suddenly we are 38 years after Chet Hamaraglim, the sin of the spies, and Bnei Yisrael has settled into an area called Kadesh. And as we read, Miriam dies and is buried there. V'tamatsham Miriam, v'tika versham. And the very next line is, there was no water for the people. Lo haya ma'im le'ida. The Talmud teaches that this quick pairing of Miriam's death and then the loss of water means that it was in Miriam's merit that Bnei Yisrael had water in the desert. We always tend to associate Miriam with water anyway. She watches over Moshe when he's placed in the Nile. She leads Bnei Yisrael in song after Kriyat Yamsuf, the splitting of the sea. And then we have this well as well. Lol. <laughs> so right after Miriam dies, the well disappears. The people come to Moshe and Aaron upset, scared at the prospect of dying of thirst. Bnei Israel does come to Moshe and Aaron often with complaints. When they were thirsty right after leaving Mitzrayim, right after leaving Egypt, when the manna, the man, was bland earlier in the Sefer of Bamidbar, and now again without their water, now that Miriam has passed away. How is it possible that our lives always parallel the Parshiot? I'll say that for the past few weeks, we haven't had water in my apartment because of an issue with our fridge. This is a tiny issue, and thank God we have a fridge. Thank God I have time to think about whether or not I have enough water. You get my point. But 
I am so miserable if I don't drink enough water. Hashtag hydrate or hydrate. Whatever. I just really feel like I relate to the desperation and frustration that B'nai Israel feels when Miriam passes away and the well disappears. In our modern world, as well as in that world of our biblical ancestors, the death of the righteous is affecting. Not only does Miriam die in this Parsha, but so does Aaron. Aaron, who, on his behalf, had the entire B'nai Israel grieving for him for 30 days. Does this mourning mean that sometimes the death of the righteous means more than the death of the average? I guess to see someone of such stature simply stop existing is shocking. This past year, we lost so many great people and leaders in both the Jewish and non-Jewish worlds, and each time we experience that sobering feeling. We think, if that righteous person could suffer and pass away, what good am I, a mediocre average human? I imagine that everyone reacts differently to the death of the righteous, but one way is to assess our own lives. How are we special? What do we bring to the table? And also, if someone as great as the person we admire can also die, we are reminded of our fragile humanity. I was just reflecting on this humanizing effect that suffering has on everyone, and I thought about the fact that in the past year of coronavirus, everyone was stuck at home. Of course, some in nicer homes than others. And one of my favorite comedians, Bo Burnham, released a comedy special recently. He wrote, filmed, directed, and edited 100% alone in a back room of his house over the past year. It's called Inside, and spans about a year of Bo getting increasingly distressed with the state of the world. You may ask, Shira, is this a comedy special? Yes, in fact it is. The special begins on some high notes. It's, it's like a, a cute song about the struggle of FaceTiming with your mom, a cute song about white women on Instagram and our ability to be both transparent and opaque with our feelings at the same time, a cute-ish song featuring Bo and a sock puppet reflecting on the ways of the world, and then it gets increasingly dark and introspective. Near the end of the special, Bo has a sort of breakdown, saying that his mental health has reached an ATL, an all-time low. We see him getting angry, then sobbing, and struggling to get through a transitional section. Let's remember that this is a guy who has performed and made five extremely successful, critically acclaimed comedy specials. He has toured performing stand-up since he was 16, starred in and written slash directed Oscar-nominated films, and has over 300 million views on his YouTube channel. And he just turned 30. If this guy isn't happy, then who is? That's like actually a conversation for another time, but the special has really been praised as setting the bar for coronavirus-related art. Bo Burnham has definitely been well-known, but this special has been received so well, and a lot of people are talking about it. Why? Because people have been able to relate to the struggle, even of this extremely successful, talented, respected comedian. So even if this successful, talented, respected comedian has been sad, it's okay that you're sad too. We are but fragile, squishy humans, and it's really good to be reminded of this. Lahavdil, Miriam's and Aaron's deaths serve as a reminder of our fragile humanity. We are all simple neshamas, simple souls, just floating out here in the world doing our best. So as we discussed, the well was in Miriam's merit, and we also learned that on Aaron's merit, B'nai Yisrael had the clouds of glory, clouds that protected the people from harsh weather, from scary people, and it even flattened harsh terrain too. So I will leave you with a question. If there was some sort of ability, object, substance, like the clouds of glory or the well that was given to the world on your merit, what would it be? Or what would you want it to be? I think that I would like the smell of baking cinnamon rolls to be on my merit, or perhaps the feeling that you get when you wake up before your alarm and have another hour to sleep. Those are my thoughts. Let me know what you think. Shabbat shalom. Thank you so much for listening.